shrill cry of the cold autumn wind stifles even the heaviest of your boot steps. The towering walls of the labyrinthine structure loom over you and seem to funnel the wind directly down this corridor you find yourselves stalking through it. All four of you have your armaments at the ready and tread silently, even though you believe there is no possible way anything could sneak up on you. The maze you're navigating is flat, straight, and most importantly, still, though Somehow you're starting to get the feeling creeping up the back of your neck that you might be lost. After four hours of taking the first left or second left, you've come across 12 dead ends and two paths you're almost positive weren't there before. But now as the sun sets at your back, you exit the maze into a beautiful and peaceful grotto. A small pool of clear, still water sits in the dead center, and butterflies dance between flowers that blossom in the meadow around it. A single giant oak tree reaches up and beyond the gigantic walls. After a moment of scanning the area for threats, you allow yourself a moment of reprieve. You've found a place to camp for the night with clean water and perhaps, if you're very lucky, some game for you to hunt for fresh meat. The smile on your face, you sheath your sword and remove your pack before draining the last of the water in your canteen. And that's when the serenity is shattered. A deep, bovine-esque bellow roars out and echoes off the walls of the grotto, followed by heavy clomping, like hooves on stone. The bellow repeats itself and you scramble to your pack where you loose your crossbow and knock a bolt as fast as you can. The third bellow is much louder, and you can hear something primal in the call. It's almost upon you. You begin to whirl from entrance to entrance waiting for a sign of the beast, and then you hear a snarl from back the way you came. You pivot as quickly as you can to point the loaded crossbow down the hall, and you see it. A gigantic bipedal bull with hands the size of your head and horns as long as an elven short sword. You make eye contact and you can see the fury in its eyes and it lowers its head and begins to charge. Roll for initiative. Hey there creatures and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons and Dragons and the lore that surrounds them. Hello there, creatures. Holy moly. Or as I used to say as a kid, holy mackerel. Welcome to another episode of Encounter This, where I, Freeman Red Minotaur Eiston, will be joined by James the Riddler Kid to go through a very classic creature, something something from the cultural lore uh, region I think, feel like we haven't, we haven't covered in some time. The Minotaur. The Minotaur. If you want to follow along, it can be found on apparently two separate pages in the Monster Manual, page 233 and 273. Care to explain, Mr. Riddler? Um, <laughs> I could, okay. but I think uh, maybe we just wait until we get there. Oh, okay. Hold on to, hold on to your butts, everybody. <laughs> 
So uh, a full disclosure, this, this episode's dropping a week later than it normally would because I was on holiday and then I moved. Uh, so I figured we, we'd, uh, we'd include a little ex- something extra special for the listeners today. Yeah. My, uh, I don't know if you're actually, I, I meant to ask, are you familiar with, with the phrase holy mackerel? <laughs> Uh, I am. Yeah, I don't know where it comes from from or if there's Uh, any cultural reference. That was uh, something I said all the time when I was a kid. Uh, But I said it for a couple of reasons. Yeah, one, because we we are sort of, uh, I don't know if a week late is the proper term, but we took an extra week. And, um, and, uh, but like, you know, it's been actually been a while since we recorded because when we did the the Naga suites, you know, we did that very condensed and released over the month. So we've taken a bit of a break. But more importantly... You have an office now. I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm in it now. Uh, I don't have to boot my loving and understanding fiance out of the living room <laughs> when I'm trying to record this dumb, dumb show that we do. Welcome to the first uh, so, official yeah. recording in, in the new office. It's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, today's actually a big day. Not only is it the first official recording in the new office, uh, we're finally out of our old place. Uh, and and I got a new set of wheels today, so um, uh, yeah. the, the the future is bright. James and I have been talking about cycling a lot lately. We're both looking for a new. Well, you're not looking anymore. <laughs> not looking anymore. I dude, that ride home was so nice. I was so happy with it. That's awesome. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the old Minotaur. I, I think I mean we don't have to jump ahead, but I feel like they come from like the Greek Roman mythology era. Uh, which I always, my brain always goes back to Harpies, like our episode one, uh, when talking about that stuff. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what's in store for this creature. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one, I think. There's going to be a lot-ish here, so um, hold on to your butts. It's- yeah, I, I assume it's rich lore in in the sense, in the same vague sense that all the lore from that time comes from. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like rich, but yeah. like super inconsistent. <laughs> Uh, you know what? It's actually not bad. It okay. was pretty easy to follow. So, cool. all right. Uh, but let's, as is tradition, start out with the D and D lore. And in the Forgotten Realms, the Minotaur's fur is consistently stained with the blood of their fallen foes, and their savage battle cry is enough to still the blood and even the bravest adventurer. The mighty Minotaur stands ready to destroy with a savage ferocity only told of in stories, <laughs> and here today. Uh, I just can I just say I love the phrase enough to still the blood because yeah that just basically means they've stopped your heart yep yep <laughs> heart attack on, on site but yeah they scream loud enough that you can no longer uh, uh, be the, alive that you die <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Minotaur is a large anthropomorphized bull, meaning it's bipedal, and specifically uh, anthropomorphized means it has opposable thumbs to use weapons, which, you know, it, it does. Uh, it is rarely encountered without a massive great axe. Okay, cool. And they have a brown or black fleur, which, as we touched on earlier, is usually matted and stained with blood, and of course, they reek of death. So the males, aka bulls, stand between seven point, uh, stand approximately two point seven meters tall or nine feet, and females, also known as cows, stand two point one meters or seven feet. So there is a little bit of a height disparity there, but I think that's just due to the actual real world size of cows and bulls. But oh, okay. I didn't really go into um, in, in, into bovine genetics for this episode. <laughs> Slacker. <laughs> 
I know, I know. Didn't we before, though? Didn't we go into some weird fucking bovine German Nazi genetics program or something? Yep, we certainly have, yeah. How <laughs> has that come up twice? That's fucked up. <laughs> Cows, man. They'd be crazy. Yep. Uh, so they're said to be similar in, to build uh, as an ogre, which will come up again later. And their horns are similar to bulls, except that they're curved forward instead of up. Uh, okay. And we have a quote here from Elak, the Minotaur Gladiator of Thay. I've wielded every weapon man and dwarf have invented, but nothing compares to these. And he points to his horns. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) That's a fun one. Uh, And said horns range from between one and three feet long. Okay. Oof, that's, that's a good length. Yeah, they're huge. That's the size of a short sword. Kind of redefines using a weapon as an extension of your own body, eh? Like the horns just like they are part of your body. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And in that vein with the longer horns, they also have a longer than normal snout leading to a pronounced olfactory system, which is their primary method of chasing prey. They don't see as well as you might think but mm-hmm. they smell very very well and it's it's okay. even large in comparison to what a bull would have for its size like they're they're extra long gotcha and even though there are multiple minotaurs they tend to be solitary carnivores that roam dungeons caves primeval woods desolate ruined cities like anything any, any place you'd find me mm-hmm. <laughs> if only you could see his office <laughs> they have this ability where they can visualize every possible route in their domain so it it makes it a really effective hunter and ambush predator uh, which is great because they care for very little for tactics or strategy they just want to find and destroy and having this um almost like photographic memory of their their locale is very uh very helpful for Mm -hmm. them and because it's 5e, they also have a lust for carnage stirred by the sound of tearing flesh or cracking bones. <laughs> it's almost getting boring <laughs> at this point. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, maybe a little bit. They all prefer the flesh of men. <laughs> yeah, but this can send the minotaurs uh, into something akin to a blood range. Like it can actually overwhelm their um, their personality and it makes them very difficult to control. So they become unintentional barbarians, essentially. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, we have a creation myth for D&D. They were thought to be, have originally been created by Garen, which is one of the demon lords uh, from Ogres. But this was then uh, a re- retroactively corrected by the juggernaut we know and love as 5th edition. <laughs> so according to 5e, they're dark descendants of humanoids transformed by occult rituals. Cultists that reject oppression and authority and yearn to return to nature or the natural way of things or a more simplistic and bestial con- consciousness. So they were like intentionally like reverted themselves to something more, more bestial. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and inductees in this cult can indulge their primal urges, hunting, killing, eating raw meat, though inductees usually end up as a ritual sacrifice and everybody else becomes rewarded by being liberated of their humanity and changed into minotaurs. Mm. So unknown to most members of these cults, 
the cults themselves were created by Baphomet, the Horned King, whose lair of the abyss is a giant labyrinth. Baphomet ensures those transformed echo his own savagery, hence this, this blood rage the Minotaurs purvey. Mm-hmm. And they can breed with each other, giving a pure race of savage children. But they can also uh, interbreed, so they can breed with humans or whatever race they originally were, as oh. well as with... So we have, like, minotaurs can be, like, an, an, that once were an elf or once were a human. It doesn't just have to be human. And, uh, and okay, interesting. Or you could be a pure-blood minotaur, somebody right. who was born a minotaur. And giant labyrinth. Are minotaurs usually associated with the labyrinths? They are, and we will get to that okay. in the cultural lore. Very, very much so, yeah. Cool. All right. Sweet. It does seem like a very loose connection for 5e, though, eh? Like, the cult was created by Baphomet, who happens to have a great labyrinth, and so it's, like, a little more disconnected, but at least it's Yeah, there. a little bit. It is, for sure. And if you look at some of these, um, some of this artwork, you can really see uh, the Baphomet connection, specifically in the 1E. Like, that looks exactly, like, the head of it looks exactly like Baphomet. Oh, yeah. Two E's, um, two E's a little out of proportion. <laughs> it's a bit questionable. It looks like someone's wearing a yeah. mask. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind like of fun. Hor- it's like a big horse mask. <laughs> yeah. But a, a, a bull version. Yeah. Three E looks like a Yeti. It's just something else. Yeah, it does. Um, it's got this compacted face, these massive outward facing horns. Yeah. Um, it, it just looks like a Yeti that doesn't like, live um, in the snow and tundra, like in a more temperate environment. Yeah. Uh, it looks like the Sasquatch from Marvel comics. If it had horns. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, 4E looks like concept art. Um, it's wearing like this, uh, scale mail yeah. with no sleeves, uh, but I, I like the backwards bend knees. The horns oh, yeah. are pointing forward, which is good. But they're also curved in this way that doesn't really make them usable. Yeah, it would kind of like, I don't know, you could side headbutt someone. <laughs> yeah, you'd really have to get the head in between the horns and then just rattle your head around a little yeah, bit. It's not terribly sensible. But the 5E art, this is what I always think of when I think of a minotaur. This thing is is statuesque. It's... Um, it, it it conveys this era, uh, this aura of calmness mm-hmm. as the forward pointed horns. It has the the human proportions, but they're definitely definitively bovine. Yeah, and it just looks like it could wreck house if it was so inclined. Yeah, at first glance, I was kind of like, eh, the five E one's boring. But now that we've gone through them, the, I think the five E one is great because it's simple and it just it, it yeah. does it exudes exactly what you described. The horns are the right place. It's just, yeah, it just looks good. It look, he looks, he looks, he doesn't look monstrous, but he looks intimidating. You know, doesn't yeah. doesn't look like some some like otherworldly like grotesque creature. Just looks natural. It has a very natural look to it, except for the the, the, ta- the tail. The tail gets yeah. me a bit because it, it looks a little bit like a vestigial wing <laughs> coming at the side yeah. of his thigh. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> But, uh, but that's actually what a what a bull tail looks like. So it's yep. not not that far off. Uh, and I really like the perspective that this is drawn in. Like it really it really conveys the size of this creature. It makes mm-hmm. me feel small when I look at it. Which yeah, is um, even with no nothing else in the picture for reference. I agree. Like it's like it just looks like it's a big big something. I mean, I think the hands are really doing it because it's a two handed axe, but its hands are massive. It's yeah. almost out of proportion with the rest of its body. Uh, and it's really cool. I like it. 
Yeah, I, I really dig that art. Uh, but speaking of previous editions, they were at one point immune to the maze spell, which is kind of neat. Uh, I, I love that for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, no longer in fifth edition, of course, but is it not? in the current edition, no. Oh. No. In the current edition, uh, they are rumored to have originated in Schultz, uh, claiming the ancient city of Omu was actually built by Minotaurs, which is... Um, Okay. I guess technically a spoiler for Tomb of Annihilation, but we've talked about both Chult and Omu in uh, the, mm-hmm. our, our, our previous suite, the Naga suite. So. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much it worth mentioning for D&D lore. There is a bunch more. There's the ecology of the Minotaur. There, there's all this, like, there's social habits. But as we've stated, there's solitary creatures that just want to hunt and, and kill. So I didn't really feel like it was worth going into it. If not, uh, if, if you're interested, there's a great article on the Forgotten Realms. And, and as always, we big, big, big love to them. Mm. Uh, but we do have a couple of honorable mentions here. Okay. First is Magrath the Minotaur, which is a pirate minotaur from the novel uh, Cormier, a novel. Which is the, the title Cormier colon a novel? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I actually think I need to start reading these Cormier books because they seem awesome. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Taurus, uh, a very uninspired name f- for a gladiator from the game Hillsfar, uh, which is for the C sixty four. What's this? What's the C sixty four? Oh, the Commodore sixty four. Oh, Commodore sixty four. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Sure. <laughs> Can't say I've ever even looked at one. So, uh, next up is the Red Minotaur from Hillsfar and Neverwinter Nights: Tyrants of the Moon Sea. That's me, which we do have an image of here, which I absolutely just adore. Okay, <laughs> that's it obviously is. the C sixty four image. Oh my god! Just the most, yeah. the most old school pixel art you've ever seen. <laughs> I I love sprite work yeah. so much. I think oh it's so clever. It really is. Yeah. The color scheme is horrendous. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, but this is uh, his second appearance, uh, Tyrants of the Moon Sea, is a 2019 expansion for Neverwinter Nights, which was originally released in 2002 by BioWare, which is oh, yeah. uh, pre-Dragon Age and their EA acquisition. So this this game, this Neverwinter Nights, mm. was, I think, what inspired EA to purchase them and and send them on their own path. I wasn't a PC gamer when I was a teenager, but I remember in high school I had a couple of friends that were, and one of them, like, he could never wait to leave school. Like, he was so excited to get home just so he could play Neverwinter Nights. I never played it, but he was. I just remember this one dude, he was obsessed. He just could not stop playing it. Uh, and it, yeah, it was definitely one of those early successes. Uh, I mean, Bioware also did yeah. like um, Baldur's Gate. Yep, they did Baldur's Gate. Yep. And our next honorable mention is the Minotaur Lizard of 1E and 2E. And I got a fun little picture. I love these guys. They're so cool. Uh, okay. <laughs> a Minotaur Lizard. <laughs> it's really just a lizard with horns on it. But <laughs> I thought it was point. fun. And I love it. <laughs> oh, God. Looks like that one Minotaur uh, uh, crossbred with uh, (laughs) (laughs) with a very interesting species. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, hello, Komodo. (laughs) We might need a content warning for that joke. (laughs) Well, let's move on. (laughs) 
Okay. Well, we're going to move into that ancient Greece that you were, you were very excited about early. So starting off our cultural lore segment today is a little bit of etymology. Love it. Shout, shout out, out to Helen. Shout out to Helen Zaltzman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> oh, God. So the translation of Minotaur uh, from ancient Greek to common is uh, bull of Minos. Minos being uh, the king of Crete and son of Zeus and Europa. So Crete is a place. Okay. Yeah. So in Crete, the Minotaur was actually named Asterion, uh, the name of the Minotaur's foster father, and was originally a proper noun. So when referring to Asterion, uh, you would refer to him as the Minotaur because there's only one Minotaur. Oh, okay. It became a communal noun in the early 20th century due to the fantasy genre. So probably Gary Gygax. Okay, right. Is this and by communal noun? Does that just assume that there's more than one, or is that does that mean like yeah. is that what also means where it's like Minotaur is plural as well as singular? Uh, it in this case, I'm referring to Minotaurs as a species. Okay, gotcha. So Mino, Mino, Mini, and Mine. Uh, as well as Tor and Tar, all recognized as correct pronunciations. Jeez. <laughs> so there's no, so there's no getting it wrong on this one, is what you're saying. <laughs> nope. We literally can't I'm fuck it up. Clear. <laughs> Wait, like, give me a, give me a chance, give me a chance. I'll fuck it up. <laughs> Minotier. <laughs> Minotaur. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, so. I obviously say Minotaur. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, I say Minotaur. I'm a tour guy. Right. Not a tour guide, just a tour guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're the tour guide today? I don't know. Move on. <laughs> ignore me. Stupid. Ignore me. <laughs> All right. So Greek origins. Here we go. So after Minos ascended to the throne in Crete, he uh, prayed to Poseidon to send him a white bull as a sign of his favor. Minos was then to sacrifice the bull to honor Poseidon, but after seeing how beautiful it was, he decided to keep it. He also believes, for whatever reason, that Poseidon would accept a substitute sacrifice, because if there's anything we know about the Lord of the Ocean, is that he's forgiving. (laughs) Well, I just assume all gods are fickle, so I'm I'm with Minos on this one. So uh, Poseidon was having none of that shit, uh, so he decided to punish Minos by having his wife Pasiphae fall in love with the white bull. Okay. Pasiphae had the craftsman Daedalus make a hollow cow she could enter to trick the bull into physical relations. And you thought my joke needed a content warning. (laughs) This wasn't a joke. What the hell? That's, That's messed up. Ah, uh, yep. Yep. Uh, she then gave birth to the Minotaur, which she nursed from birth, but it quickly grew giant and fierce and had no real nourishment. So it just straight up began to eat people. My God, this was, this was a mistake. <laughs> uh-huh. Minos then went to the Delphic Oracle for advice, and she told him to get Daedalus to craft a labyrinth to hold the Minotaur. Oh my god! And isn't Daedalus? He's isn't he like the fa- he's a famous craftsman, right? Or he's not a yep. god? Eh? I'm think I'm thinking of someone else. He's like a famous. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah, I believe he made Icarus's wings. Uh, I'm prepared to be corrected on that. Oh okay. I thought Icarus's father made his wings. Oh, maybe he did. I mean, it doesn't matter. No, it certainly does not. 
Oh, no. Yeah, you're right, because he is the father of Icarus. <laughs> Just Google Okay, it. cool. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so the main story of the Minotaur that is, is commonly told is that of Theseus and the Minotaur. So there are many different stories, but this is the one I'm choosing to tell. And it's where and- Androgies, the son of Minos, who was this absolute boss. He was the Bo Jackson of the, the, the pan, Panathenic Games. I'm going to assume Bo Jackson is some sort of sports person. Yeah, um, there's a link there in the show notes for you if you want. But essentially, he was like the best baseball player and the best football player at the same time. Oh, okay. Legend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, the, the, the Panathenic Games is a competition held in Athens every four years from 566 BC to the 3rd century AD. Um, which is like the third most important games in Greece behind the Panhellenic and the Olympic, of course. So Androgis kicked so much ass that he was eventually ambushed by the Athenians and murdered. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Imagine being so good at sports. Like you, you are such a good hockey player for the Toronto Maple Leafs that the New York Rangers ambush and murder you. <laughs> We've had enough. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, so Minos then obviously waged a war against Athens to avenge his son. During mm-hmm. the assault, Athens fell victim to a cruel plague, and a treaty was eventually formed between Crete and Athens, where every seven years, Athens would send seven youths and seven maidens to satiate the hunger of the Minotaur. Okay. I don't know why that was the price of surrender, but here we are. Yep. <laughs> it's a bit odd. <laughs> so on the third, uh, what we're going to call the Hunger Games... Uh, was set to take place. Theseus, the son of Aegeus, the king of Athens at the time, volunteered to just slay the Minotaur and promised he'd fly a white flag on his way back if he was successful, but his ship would sail with black sails if he was killed. So once in Crete, Minos' daughter, Ariadne, fell in love with Theseus and helped him navigate the labyrinth. Uh, the most common in folklore is by giving him ball a ball of string to help him retrace his path. <laughs> Classic. He did eventually find and kill the Minotaur with his bare hands, uh, and then he and Ariadne sailed from uh, Crete back to Athens. And there's a, there's this fun little plate I found, uh, this, this iconography of Theseus killing the Minotaur. Uh, decidedly not with his bare hands. <laughs> no, that was... Um, He's got a sword in that, that one. That seemed to be a flourish that was added later. <laughs> So on the way back to Athens, uh, good guy Theseus decided to abandon Ariadne on the Isle of Naxos, uh, where she eventually Rude. becomes the wife of Dionysus and has her own adventures, which oh, I'm okay. sure we'll touch on eventually. Mm-hmm. But Theseus then continued to go onwards to Athens, but he forgot to fly the white sail. So King Aegeus would come out to this cliff uh, every day looking for the boat, but he saw the black sails come in. So he then threw himself off the cliff. <laughs> the sea that he landed in is actually now named after him of this event, and it's the Aegean Sea. Oh, that's all right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not. He threw himself off a cliff, but but you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So this uh, Aegeus throwing himself off the cliff then secured the throne for the returning Theseus, who also went on to have many other adventures, including this whole thing in Hades with Persephone. And oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there, yeah. but we're just going to skip right past it all. Can I just say, you you did a me on this one, where you just read a whole bunch and you were like, 
yeah, it's not all related to the Minotaur, but it's just too good to avoid. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed, uh, really, really enjoyed researching this one. <laughs> I can tell, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been looking forward to a couple of creatures. This is one of them. One mm-hmm. of my next ones is another one that I've been really looking forward to for, cool. for a couple of years now. Cool. So That's what's what's fun is that in two weeks from, from this being released, which is not far off from my recording time, by the way, listeners, I still haven't picked my creature. So I have no idea what I'm doing. He's got his next one planned. I have no idea what I'm doing next. Uh, I think I have the rest of the year planned. <laughs> you would. <laughs> yeah, I haven't written them, though. Uh, which brings us on to our often forgotten section, uh, the differences between D&D and cultural lore. Uh, the biggest difference is that there is multiple Minotaur in Dungeons and & Dragons and possibly Dungeons & Dragons being responsible for there being a Minotaur race, whereas there was only the one in, uh, in lore. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's not far off. Uh, yeah. Bloodthirsty, Labyrinth eats people like... Not crazy. They don't really focus on the Minotaur part of the Greek myth so much as the bestiality and fratricide. Right. Gotcha. So my favorite part of the show is the pop culture references. (laughs) Most of which I almost never get. (laughs) So first and foremost, we're going to throw up uh, a Gustav Dore image because in Dante's Inferno, they find the beast having been damned for violent natures, where it was once believed uh, that this, the Dore interpretation, was the first depiction of it with a bull head. Oh, that's a cool, that's actually a really cool picture. Yeah, I mean, Gustav Dore is incredible. Look him up if you haven't yet. Um, that unfortunately has since been disproved. So originally in most of the lore, it's a boar body with a human head, but it is not the case. This is the first uh, bull head. So next is a series of etchings uh, called the Vallard Suite, featuring a lot of the Minotaur by a little guy you may have heard of, um, Pablo Picasso. Yeah, so this image is called. (laughs) So this image is called Minotaur kneeling of sleeping girl and is an etching from 1933. So Pablo Picasso did this whole fucking suite for Count Villard of just the Minotaur creeping on pretty girls. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, that's weird. That's yeah, they're all real weird. That's like that's the most appropriate one I could find. All right. Don't go to our Instagram for this one because it probably <laughs> won't be there. <laughs> it's creepy. Yeah. Uh, next up is AC Odyssey. There is a mission where you visit the Palace of Gnosis in order to kill a Minotaur. Uh, I haven't made my way to Odyssey yet, but it's next on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have Hades by Supergiant Games. There is a Minotaur in Elysium. Uh, oh, okay. I've played, I've played Hades. Have you played Hades? No, I haven't. It's really good. I don't really like roguelike games that much, but it is one of those ones that it's it's so solid because every time you reset, there's like there's an endless amount of dialogue. It's actually really cool. Like just the way every time you reset, there's something new to see. Uh, it doesn't feel as repetitive when, that way, at least story wise. I know you're yeah. not necessarily a video game story person, but. Yeah, and I've actually really so I listened to a show that spoiled it, and I really like the concept of it and the okay. storyline, and, yeah. and the, like it sounds really good. I just don't know if the gameplay is for me. Yeah. Um, if it ever comes back on Game Pass, I'm absolutely give oh, it yeah. a shot. Give it a go for sure. 
next up is Castlevania, the Rondo of Blood that just has Minotaurs as regular ass enemies. Sure. I've never played Castlevania. <laughs> oh, the Rondo's a, Rondo of Blood's a really good one. Okay. Yeah. I feel like even just even admitting that is like offensive to most gamers. <laughs> no, I mean it's there. There, it's it requires a very specific taste. I played my first one um, mm. like two years ago for the Game Boy, and I I really right. enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy all the traversal. Like I like linear games. Yeah. Um, but the, the, like compared to Metroid, I actually quite like this. Yeah. Uh, like Metroidvania stuff, anything platformy, like you love that shit. I I have no time for it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't actually care for Metroidvania games. No, um, but I do like the platform. No, okay. I I don't. Like I couldn't get into um, Hollow Knight or uh, the only okay. Metroid game I've really been able to get into is uh, Fusion, which is very linear. Okay. But the next up is not a video game. It is called. It is a movie from 2006 called Minotaur by Lionsgate Film, starring Tom Hardy. Tony Todd, Ingrid Pitt, and Rutger Hauer. Oh. Somehow I've never heard of or seen this movie, which leads me to believe it was direct-to-video. <laughs> I mean, it would have been around the time you and I were both graduating high school. Um, I, well, I was a huge... I still am a huge Tony Todd fan. Like, yeah, okay. He plays the Minotaur. Oh. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I've for those of you who don't know, this. Tony Todd was the Candyman. Oh, let's see. Okay. Uh, yeah. funny Minotaur. Yeah, I, I mean, I have no idea. Uh, and apparently, it's just dramatic, a dramatic retelling of the myth of Theseus and the Minotaur. So, oh, all right. Who knows? Yeah. Next up is uh, into my domain. It is from DC Comics, and we're gonna and it's uh, Ferdinand uh, Kithotar, friend and chef of Diana Prince, and that's him right there from uh, Wonder Woman Bloodlines. Kithotar, <laughs> like a Minotaur named Keith. <laughs> Well, he's from Kithara, not Minos. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Gotcha. K- Kithira. Yeah, he's from a different island of Greece. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that, that makes more sense. <laughs> I do think one of us is now going to play a minotaur called Keith. <laughs> Oh my god! And I honestly, just I, I just because I followed the notes we're going, I just I totally passed over the fact that you said his his name is Ferdinand. Oh yeah, and I just I was just gravitated toward Keith. <laughs> oh god, it's so dumb. And as always, we have a Marvel counterpart. There is actually quite a few Minotaurs in the Marvel universe, but we're going to talk about, uh, or I'm going to honorably mention Rintra, who is a green Minotaur and the one-time Sorcerer Supreme. This image is him as uh, appeared in Doctor Strange 2, The Multiverse of Madness. Oh, cool. So if I remember my lore correctly, Rintra is an interdimensional traveler and Minotaurs actually come from a, a better place, like a greener pasture fields. Oh, okay. Interesting. And the last one on the list is my favorite. Uh, it is <laughs> Batman, the animated series, season one, episode 41. If you're so smart, why aren't you rich? It is the first episode featuring the Riddler. This this episode was my childhood. <laughs> oh, my God. That picture is so good. <laughs> Yeah, and they they surf on this giant gold of hand, golden hand known as the hand of fate. Like it's just, oh my god, it is it is a lot. The Minotaur is just like a basically just a giant gold construct. Yep, he is exactly that. Uh, in fact, I have the quote that shuts him down here, uh, and it's of course a riddler, a riddle. Yep, 
I have millions of eyes, yet I live in darkness. I have millions of ears, yet only four lobes. I have no muscles, yet I rule two hemispheres. What am I? Kevin Conroy obviously bitches him out. That's simple, <laughs> the human brain. And then the Minotaur just shuts down, and then Batman turns to Robin and just explains it to him. <laughs> <laughs> It's so patronizing. <laughs> yeah. It has millions of visual and auditory nerves, four lobes, two hemispheres, and the only thing Edward Nigma respects. <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. Uh, that's really good, actually. I didn't expect your, your Batman reference. Well, I'm, 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 re- I'm reeling here. Season one, episode 41? Yeah. How many episodes per season? That's insane. Uh, this was the longest season by far. So like back oh, in the 90s, God. there was this crazy thing where certain shows would actually, like a season would actually span multiple years. So season one of Batman, TAS, actually spans like two years. No kidding. Um, same with Ninja Turtles. The, um, yeah. the 1986 Ninja Turtles season two is like 56 episodes oh, um, and actually spans like two years. Yeah. Oh, and that God. went for 10 fucking seasons. Yeah. That's why I had no idea. Like nowadays, you're lucky if you get more than eight. And I mean, yeah. also, a lot of TV shows are going longer. But even like even the twenty minute formats, like yeah, they're eight to twelve. Yeah, yeah. like I mean, I remember they were capped at you know twenty four, twenty five, and that's like that's yeah. still that's still through the eighties and nineties, like Cheers and Frasier days and stuff like that. But um, yeah, reboot was twenty four. Um, yeah, you know, most animes are twenty four to twenty six. 40 what 50 something wow that's i missed i missed that boat i guess i did i had no it idea it might actually no be idea. more than that and like like shows like cops um so where did they draw the line on whether or not it was a season like was it was it a story arc of some kind or i have no idea they, they just they had no rules <laughs> there were no rules uh, that's, that's <laughs> probably it <laughs> uh, and shows like cops um the the cartoon show from the late eighties that was one season and it's like eighty six episodes. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Um, it's, it's it's a lot. Yeah, it's it's so it's so weird to think about because I've hit the point in my life where I'm actually getting annoyed with people saying, "Have you watched that yet?" And I'm like, "No, I don't have time to watch anything. <laughs> Just stop it. <laughs> Leave me alone." <laughs> so season one is sixty episodes. Spanning from 92 to May of 93. And season two is 10 episodes. <laughs> it's total anarchy over there in animated Hollywood. <laughs> the, uh, the 90s were a wild time. Oh, my God. You, you're telling me. <laughs> uh, but you know what else is wild? Uh, big thank you to the darkness that our unofficial sponsor, Strange Fellows Blackmail Stout, has brought to our lives. <laughs> Going down easy on these hot days. <laughs> <laughs> the old summer stout never hurt nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, right? I mean, what I do love about the, the old Strange Fellow... Um, just the cans. They always have these, like, oh, 
Odin's crow and blah blah blah. Or Odin's raven, yada yada, on the Black Male Stout. And they always have like the 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 their Guardian White IPA is like about the dragon that's on it, and they just like they they lean just slightly enough into um into some like mythology just just for fun, and and uh, it always feels so fitting for what we're doing, especially when we cover things yeah. like this. Yeah, always fantastic. But that uh, that brings us into the mechanics. So uh, don't get your hopes up here because we've gone through all the interesting stuff. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I, <laughs> of course, of course, this creature is going to be a low CR. Why? Why yeah. wouldn't it be? That would make no sense. <laughs> yeah. So full disclosure, we're not going to be talking about the Minotaur uh, PC race at all because that's kind of outside of our purview. This show being right. for. Mm-hmm. specifically aimed at, at DMs and GMs. So mm-hmm. uh, the Minotaur creature is a CR3. Boo! <laughs> With uh, 14 natural armor, 76 HP. It is large, chaotic evil, and has a movement speed of 40 feet. It's like uh, 5e is obsessed with low level. <laughs> it really is. That's, and, uh, that's the whole despite thing. Despite them being it unable assumes... to admit that high level is broken as fuck. <laughs> I think they just assume that you're not going to be able to keep a game going for long enough to get to high level. The, that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, They have a dark vision 60 feet and they speak abyssal. So that's alright. Alright. With sure. a couple of abilities here. I actually really like the abilities, so the first is charge, then move 10 feet in a straight line and hit with a gore attack. You can add 2d8 piercing to the gore. And mm. if the target is a creature, it is a DC 14 strength save or proned or push back 10 feet GM's discretion. Wait, if the target is a creature. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably, that probably is verbatim. Referring to the, the fact that I might go prone. Um, I guess it, it could push back that bookshelf. If it wanted to, it could. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe not knock it prone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe maybe it's a golem. Or I don't. I don't know what they were thinking of here. Uh, but, creatures uh, a catch all. Creatures every everything with a step lock <laughs> or or character sheet. So I guess so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's specifically meaning not object. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's not going to push the bookshelf back ten feet. <laughs> Bookshelves are immune to charge. (laughs) Minotaur's kryptonite. Things that hold knowledge. (laughs) Just just general inanimate objects. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Next up here is Labyrinthine Recall, so it can perfectly recall any path it has traversed. Oh, okay. Which I think is just a great ability. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, that's a that's an interesting one. Like, how how could a player take advantage of that? I wonder, or like, or sorry, how could a GM take advantage of that? In like, what would a player do thinking they're clever in which this would counteract and they wouldn't see it coming? You know what I mean? Um, Illusion magic would be a good one. Oh. Uh, passed without a trace. I think you could get away with. Um, yeah. 
If you put up an uh, illusory wall, retreat. like this, this creature would turn back and go, nope, I know that's not a wall because I know exactly where I was. Yeah, but that's it would neat. know for a fact that it can't push it. <laughs> All because of the very, the very meticulous wording <laughs> of if the target is a creature. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, the next ability is uh, reckless. So at the start of its turn, it can it can essentially go reckless, where it has advantage on melee attacks and uh, disadvantage on attacks versus the creature. Hmm? It can go reckless. Yeah, so it can choose to go reckless as a free action, and oh, then it has. Sorry. This is like reckless attack. This is like the barbarian's reckless attack, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it has advantage on melee attacks and uh, disadvantage on attacks versus. It. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I think the phrasing just threw me off, but yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah gain fair. the advantage, but put yourself at a disadvantage at the same time. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I may have just said it wrong. Uh, and then it has two attacks. The first is the aforementioned gore, which is a plus six to hits, five feet, so melee, and mm-hmm. 2d8 piercing. So in combined with a charge, it can move 10 feet and do up to 4d8 piercing damage. Well, the 10 feet is like a minimum 10 feet. It's not, not just 10 feet, right? No, it can move up to its full complement, which is okay. 40 feet. Cool. Uh, next up is the Great Axe, which is a plus 6 to hit, also melee, and 2d12 plus 4. So for a CR3, this thing hits pretty fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say. 2d4 plus 4, or 2d12, sorry, plus 4. That's uh, that's no slouch. No, I'm actually pretty, you know, as far as CR3s go, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the Minotaur. And I think I've used it in a few uh, different scenarios which I, I, I quite enjoy hmm. uh, and I think all in all too it's like as disappointing of a of a CR this creature is it's so simple that it is so easy to increase its power yes of course just and it would be easy to run in a horde or anything like that like it would be so easy yeah just like bump the AC bump the HP uh, you know to according levels increase the, the damage like that's it. That's all you need to do. There's nothing. Yep. Everything else is is pretty contextual. So it's that's easy. Yeah. Make make this creature a fucking CR8 at least. Just do it. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah. yeah. You know, just add a bunch of D12s. <laughs> yeah. Increase <laughs> increase the damage bonuses and add another D12 or two and call it a day. <laughs> like you're good to yep. go. Yeah. The 14 natural armor really annoys me. That's it's so low. It's so low. I know larger creatures always have a lower AC, but man, that is low. Yeah, but it is just a fucking cow. But it's not. It's not just a cow. It's an anthropomorphized like creature that's like blood rage. My like, point is that it's still flesh. Like you're still just cutting into flesh. Like, but you're you barbarian. Your party's AC, barbarian. Your party's barbarian would have more AC than that. At the For same sure, level, but we're not talking about your party's barbarian. <laughs> we're, t- we're talking about. This this cow with an axe, like, of course its AC is going to be low. Give it some plate mail. Like, there's no reason it couldn't have, like, custom sure. plate mail or scam mail like we seen in the 40 yeah. art. I also make, makes me want to be like, it just con- it's constantly reckless. Uh, it, not that it can start on its turn. Like, I, I would just make it constantly reckless and, like, oh, yeah. and then boost the hell out of its stats. It might be cool to look at some of the other barbarian abilities, too. Like, um, not like the animal stuff, but maybe, like, the spiritual barbarian. Okay. Yeah. 
I didn't really thought about it before now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do go on. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some some cool abilities you can pull from the ancestral yeah. guardian, like spirit shield or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a really cool one actually. Especially if like it'd be really cool uh, if you had a scenario where you had like you know these like like twin minotaurs or something like that, and maybe one minotaurs got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one's one's an ancestral guardian style thing, and the other one's like more of the animal instinct thing or whatever. Um, and they they work in tandem. That would actually be really fun, I think, because the ancestral guardian has like a uh, an ability where you can reduce damage to an like you know that's that's given to an ally like from a distance, even. I think. Yeah, so. that's spirit shields. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and Path of the Berserker has uh, the intimidating presence, which is pretty neat. So mm. any creature that can see or hear you within 30 feet must succeed on a wisdom save yeah. or be frightened until the end of your next turn, which I think is just a great passive ability. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you be scared of this giant cow with a big fuck off axe that just <laughs> reeks of death? And if you want, you just can be like, put like a, a if you want to be really crazy, put a little DC two on it, but then make it oh. stop someone's heart. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> blood runs. Uh, blood runs. Uh, is is gone still? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Throw a second DC on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's some cool ideas to make it like a bigger, badder minotaur if that's the road you want to go down. Mm. Um, I I actually quite like them as like low level, uh, like not like boss creatures, but like in you could slot this in place of a bugbear and it would do way more damage. Yeah. Yo. That. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just really wanted the. I really want this creature to be terrifying in the most basic sense. I just want it to be hyper aggressive and just going. To, you, you feel like you're coming into your own as an adventurer, and you've got a, a solid skill set because you're like level eight or nine now, and that this creature just doesn't give a shit <laughs> about your skill set. No, it is able to mess you up. Like that's what I want out of a Minotaur. So I, yeah, I would never, I would probably never use this at level three. I would, I would find a way to boost it and use it that way. That's fair. Yeah. I, I like the idea of giving it a passive ability where you're just, you know, roll a save or shit your pants. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. Not, not like, you know, not, not like paralyzed or anything like that. Cause I don't want to take anybody out of the game, but you know, we'll save at the top of every turn. And if you fail, you know, you have disadvantage on your attacks or if it's reckless constantly, you just have a flat attack. I especially, I especially like to imagine that if you are encountering this in a labyrinth, it's very likely tight quarters, which makes it that much more dangerous. Yep. Cause it's going to see you from 10 feet away. Yeah. And as we talked about in the D and D lore, it smell, a sense of smell is so crazy that I read somewhere. It's not in my notes here, but I read somewhere that that's the reason they have the labyrinthine recall is that their sense of the oh. old factories. It's so heightened that they're almost like following a scent wave, like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good call. I love that. Yeah. And like, Tight quarters too. I, I would assume I can't remember what the five year rules are for this, but if you get pushed back and into a, a, a wall or an object or another person, you're looking at some extra bludgeoning damage that you could rule on easily. Yeah, or maybe even have the horns go right through. Like if you've got a skinny mm. little elf at the front and three foot horns on this minotaur, <laughs> I'm not a f- three feet deep. Oh my god! And so you're getting like two D six on two different PCs at the same time. Yeah, and then one one is essentially grappled, so it's just like stuck on the horns. Oh my 
Oh, that is horrifying. And then bleeding out. <laughs> yeah. Roll for organ damage. <laughs> Roll a strength check to save your spleen. <laughs> oh, man. How does it feel that your ranger now has two punctured lungs? <laughs> but speaking of death and killing things... We, uh, for the first time ever, I think, have a bonus creature in this episode. Hot Freeman, damn. cue the drop. Bonus creature time. <laughs> was that the right job? <laughs> yep, that was perfect. I'm definitely going to cr- clip that. <laughs> uh, so. So instead of making our skeletons ex- episode extra long, I figured we would throw the Minotaur skeleton in oh. with the uh, Minotaur episode. Okay, that this is that's fun. Okay, well, make a note that we <laughs> remove Minotaur skeleton from the skeletons episode. <laughs> we'll do. Yeah. Also, no bone nagas. <laughs> no bone nagas. No. Oh god. So as as per usual, when skeletons arise, they are animated by dark magic, and the mighty Minotaur is not immune to this. They do make <laughs> obedient servants when raised from the dead, but they interpret commands literally. <laughs> oh god! So they're gonna be—they're gonna be what you would be if I was a necromancer and you died. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and if ever freed from the the constraints of necromancy, they begin to pantomime actions from their past lives. And if they ever interact with a living being, they are compelled to kill. And as a mindless skeleton, they possess little sense of self-preservation and they don't require air, food, drink, or sleep. Your standard undead stuff. I, I feel like, I know, I know we've covered a couple undead things, not necessarily skeletons so much, but I feel like that description is a really good example of how, how unspecific the art of necromancy is it is like they are not they they do not they don't have it nailed down (laughs) it's like it's just barely a cut above animate object you know (laughs) i mean it is animating an object right basically uh animating a rug is way safer than animating a skeleton <laughs> was involving the personality of of said creature or and or soul and such and so they just mm. they haven't they haven't figured it out perfectly to like make it exactly what they want because this thing is it's got parameters that you're out of your control i think it's fun yeah i, I, it's cool. I really like that about about skeletons uh skelly boys skelly boys yeah but these are less than cr making them cr2 lame because there is no flesh and muscle to get through. They have AC 12 natural armor. Lame. They have an HP of 67. They are large, lawful evil this time, and 40-foot move speed. I beg to differ. You've put them down as the size of La Rouge. <laughs> La Rouge. <laughs> that's, uh, that's just Cajun for large. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Tom Segura lately. <laughs> Uh, they are uh, vulnerable to bludgeoning, immune to poison, and immune to being poisoned and exhausted. They retain their 60-foot dark vision and their ability to understand abyssal, but they cannot speak because the tongue is a muscle. As for abilities, the only one they retain is charge, and their attacks are the exact same. So why not run a skeleton? It seems to be better in almost every way. Seriously. 
That's that's more deadly at level two. <laughs> that's <laughs> what the hell. I'm I'm gonna double check this now that you've got me. That's. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, their attacks are the same. Wow. Yep. That's really dangerous. That's really dangerous. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> why? Why run a regular skeleton? Their max why run damage, a regular minotaur? Their max damage is like twenty-eight damage. Is that what forty-eight is? Uh oh wait what's forty eight shit no I was thinking the great axe so two d twelve oh the the gore plus the the charge right oh what's what's uh what's uh what's four times eight math go thirty two damn at level two is it thirty (laughs) two I think yeah I think you're right yeah you're right yeah yeah it's thirty two you're the math guy why did I figure it out faster (laughs) you didn't I figured it out you just confirmed it it's quite (laughs) Play back the tape. <laughs> uh, that no, but that's crazy though. Thirty-two damage maximum at level two. I'm pretty yep. sure. I'm pretty sure the wizard wouldn't have that much HP at level four. <laughs> well, they might, uh, it'd be but, pretty close. Yeah, yeah it'd be close. But like that's 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 a big hit. That's a big hit if you get it. Damn. Yeah. Don't don't fuck around with minotaurs. I guess mm-hmm. or fuck around and find out. Well, whatever you want. <laughs> I guess at the very least, given the low CR, at least they, they hit really goddamn hard. They do. And, you know, with 67 HP at level two, this thing's going to last a couple of rounds. Mm. Yeah, 67 HP versus 76, not a huge difference. No. No, not honestly, just run the skeleton. Yeah, really, though. <laughs> really? <laughs> Who would have thought the secondary creature would be the better one? <laughs> I mean, only mathematically. Yeah. I think lore-wise, the the regular Minotaur is obviously way more fun. These these cultists who just want to be for sure, who who want to go these these mega ass cultists who want to go back to a time when America was great, <laughs> and they just just turn into cattle. I think it's a pretty apt metaphor. <laughs> I don't know God. if we can release that. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! It's got, got a little bit too political there. <laughs> yeah. At least I now know that in my homebrew world, Baphomet is going to have like orange tan and like a like a yellow wig on at all times. My labyrinth is so big; it's the biggest. It's the, biggest <laughs> it's the greatest. Labyrinth. It's the greatest level of the abyss. <laughs> Hands are regular sized. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, sweet Jesus! Oh well, that covers homebrew. You, you got anything else? <laughs> oh god, I'm dying. Uh, uh, nope. I would, I would just, I would, uh, I would spruce these dudes up. I would make them terrifying, simple creatures. And that's all I got, really. Uh, I, I, I kind of, I do kind of love the idea of a labyrinthine adventure. I think it would be really tough. I think it would be, but the, it would, it would end up being, uh, 
very similar to like a what you what we call a dungeon dive, right? Where you go level by level. But instead of level by level, you have you'd have to organize access points almost for for your level increases. But um uh that well, it depends on how creature, you want to do it. You could do yeah. it as a hex crawl. Like, like yeah. where you don't have a map in front of you and you roll survival checks and I determine as the GM which way you go. Like as a player, you should never have the hex crawl map in front of you, right? Because you don't know where the fuck you are. Right. Well, I mean, there's some there's some uh, there's something to say about that. I mean, not the full map. You're right. Like you have like fog of war kind of thing. Yeah. But like that would be a, it would be a little more difficult with a like a hex, like an actual proper hex with the labyrinth, because you would assume the labyrinth. No, no, no. But I mean, like, like same similar concept. Like I have the map, and you guys can either draw a map as you're going, and uh, you know okay. you roll survival checks for each direction, and like okay, I want to I want to go north. Mm-hmm. But I don't actually know which direction north is is. You know, mm-hmm. like I I have the actual map of the maze, and I keep track of where you guys are going, and it's up to you to draw your own maps of the maze mm-hmm. or right to not right yeah you'd get you'd get into a situation where you're talking with the players about you know like okay for every segment i'm running down here how many feet have we have we gone you know and then you're probably in the background like figuring things out about with, with labyrinth we're like yeah guess what wall closed off and they're the trim when they're trying to retrace their steps it's like well, then no we went through here and you'd be like don't want to tell you, bud. <laughs> something yeah. happened you know <laughs> i think that'd be a lot of fun just to mm-hmm. you know you you don't you don't do it five feet by five feet, but you do it by like, right. I have a five foot by five foot map and you do it by hallway. Yeah. And there are like, yeah. you know, little courtyards or alcoves that you can camp in if you want to camp in, but you guys yeah. don't actually see the map mm. until we go to combat, in which case it's, you know, a 10 foot by 10 foot square, or, you know, yeah. however long the hallways, like, yeah. you know, you're in this 10 foot space and here's 50 feet. I might actually write this. This sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> to write. Have you ever watched, I assume you've seen the movie, the movie Labyrinth. With David yeah. Bowie? Yeah. Yep. And Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. When Jennifer Connelly decides, uh, Sarah, she's like, oh, I, I'm going to use my, I think it's lipstick or whatever. And she's like, writes an arrow onto this little tile. And then underneath, these little gremlins come up. They come up and they lift it and they turn around and face it in a, a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, bastards. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What a great film. As a GM, I think that would be a lot of fun to, to do. And then, you know, yeah. you just run like proper random encounter tables. So instead yeah. of you know, every hour it's, you know, every 300 feet traversed or something like that, you know? Oh, that'd be wild. Yeah. Every, every 30 squares you move, I roll on the random encounter table and, you know, obviously (laughs) still, you know, one through five or whatever is still no encounter, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's, you know, five through 10 are, you know, the walls close in on you. Like you you can have traps in the random encounter thing. You can have, um, maybe it's not an encounter per se, so much as the labyrinth changes like this, these six paths turn horizontal as opposed to vertical. Yeah. They, I mean, so let's start, we're talking about style of game here, which is really cool. What do you think the adventure hook would be for your labyrinth? Um, probably I'd probably just steal the same kind of adventure hook from something like white plume mountain. Like, here is a priceless treasure. All who enter disappear. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you know, just right. do it like straight up a minion run. You know. Yeah, and the advisors are like challenge accepted. I'll be the first that doesn't disappear. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe maybe just steal the lore from from um, uh, from ancient Greek. Like every seven years, they send in four adventurers to oh, either yeah. kill the Minotaur and come back out, or and they are be the praised as heroes. Or they're the feed, and just chosen at random, like the Hunger Games. 
So. I love it. I love it. That that's actually really cool. I I would be in for yeah. that. Yeah. When you know none none of this low level shit. Like I'm talking like twelfth, thirteenth no. level, like real high level play. And yep. then in the center is just like they they call it a minotaur. It's like some some mislabeled thing, or there's something got lost in translation a thousand years ago, and it's actually just like a white dragon or a red dragon or something like that. Just mm-hmm. that's been like trapped in this maze. Cause it's too big to get out. Like somebody built this maze around a sleeping dragon to keep it in. And over time, the lore has been so twisted and lost that it's go in and find this horde. Something like yeah. that. I don't know. Yeah. I love it. I think, I think it'd be really fun. It'd be a very different adventure for sure. And like one, one for like players that just want, they want to like dig into survival and, 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 you know, uh, uh, path tracking and, you know, lots of combat and, you know, yeah. lo- low story kind of stuff. Yeah. Still lots of potential for role play, like loads of potential for role play, especially with like riddles and like different, different obstacles and encounters throughout, but like yeah. not necessarily and you can run into other rich. adventurers down there. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah. like, like people who are dying of famine and starvation, you know, like mm. I ate my friends, you know, like, right. <laughs> you have to get into Canada. We were the last batch and it's been seven years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would probably oh, do it annually. I think it's, it's like an annual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Depending on how many players are in the game, but. Yeah. But you can still find that one guy that's been there for 20 years. <laughs> Fucking Jumanji yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Ah, my name's Wobbin Williams. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was thinking of Colin Hanks, but yes. Uh, yeah, exactly like that. And, yeah. you know, like there, there are, you know, opportunities to introduce new players. There are, I, I would want to experiment with actual survival rules. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. How heavy is your pack? Like, if you, if you're encumbered, you got to let me know. And you know, it's one of those things where you could actually start encumbered, right? Or you know, like you you could bring a pack mule in, and the mule has all your rations. But yeah, if that mule dies, you know, you're stuck carrying these rations. Or yeah. like, how many rations do you think you get? Like, how many weeks do you think you're going to be down there? Mm-hmm. Or how many weeks do you want to prepare for? It's and a then, math nerd's game because, like, yeah, you could you could start yeah. encumbered, but when you become less encumbered. You have more advantage, but you also know you're running out of supplies at the same time. Um, or you can take your first round of every combat to throw off your pack. <laughs> Welcome to D&D resource management. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's my shit. My favorite game right now is The Long Dark. <laughs> so good. If, if anyone could pull it together uh, and make that, I think it would be you. So, <laughs> All right. Well, if any of you mathletes out there are interested in that or, or would want to play that, hit me up. And you can do so on Twitter at EncounterPod. You can find us on Facebook at backslash EncounterPod. Instagram to see most of these images, probably not the sexy Picasso at Encounter.Pod. You can find uh, all of our back episodes, including our last sweet Nagus, where we talked about Omu and Schultz at our home on the web in CaptureThis.ca, where all those episodes are available ad-free. And if you like this, you can uh, help us out by donating to us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash EncounterThis. For $5 a month, you'll get a handwritten thank you letter and access to our show notes. You can see these documents that we're putting together. I'm trying to put more links into them because I do know that we have some followers who follow along. So... You can click on some things specifically in this one. You can click on the the monitor lizards. You can click on the um, the Villard suite from Picasso and see the entire suite that's available. And for $10 a month, you can suggest a creature. Maybe there's uh, another 
big bad classical Greek creature that we haven't touched on, like the the Wavarin or um, the what now? Wavarin, Wavarin, the 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 other other Drake, Wyvern, Wyvern. <laughs> it's one of those words I think I've only ever read, not pronounced out loud until now. James and I actually had a, a beer before we uh, together before we recorded yeah, this. Yeah. Just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> IRL, as the kids are saying. <laughs> so this episode's a little bit looser. Also, we haven't recorded for like four months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for ten bucks a month, you can suggest anything. It doesn't have to be a D and D creature. It could be from any TTRPG. That's our only restriction. Maybe you want us to cover Rita from the Power Rangers. I, I don't know, or Goldar. <laughs> I want to cover Goldar. <laughs> Goldar's fucking dope. Yeah. Uh, not in the new movie. The, 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 in, in the reboot, Goldar was, was a bitch. But, you know, like any, any, maybe you want us to cover the putty. I, I'm running out of Power Rangers references. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you could, if you have time, rate and review us on your platform of choice. Spotify now accepts ratings, as does Apple Podcasts. Every one of those positive reviews helps other people find us uh and tell your friends fuck it gm or not maybe they're history nerds maybe they just i don't know i want to say have a good time but we have a very specific niche here so maybe not everybody <laughs> would enjoy the show we got a couple hardcores it's great we do have a couple of hardcores yeah but if you want to find out who our cl- hardcores are for a dollar a month on that patreon you can get access to a private discord where uh they get kind of they, they get into it. You know, we have yeah. discussions about the episodes. You know, we help each other out when somebody's looking for assistance with a concept or a game or mechanics. It's pretty lively over there and it's it's a good time. So for a buck a month, you can be you can be part of that. Hell yeah. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, we will we'll, we'll, we'll be back in your ear holes in two weeks with uh, whatever the fuck Freeman decides to do next. Back in your ear holes. It's a Kevin Smith quote. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>